Victor and Lois are siblings who were both diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. Lois lives and works in London and Hector is a student living in Vienna. In their weekly podcast, Anxiety Calling, they'll be talking about different aspects of living with generalised anxiety disorder and how they get by in day-to-day life. Welcome to episode five of Anxiety Calling. I'm Hector. And I'm Lois. And today we're going to be talking about anxiety at work, which I feel is actually pretty fitting considering both of us are looking for a job right now. Yeah, that's making me pretty anxious, I think. That'd probably make anyone anxious. Um, Yeah, so let's think about, we can talk about what it would be like (laughs) if we did have jobs. Um, I mean, to be fair, I do have a job. I just need to have a new one by the end of January because I'm being yeah, made same. redundant. Same, yeah. But yes, I do actually still have a job, but it's not looking good. But I think the whole interviewing process, that time is quite an anxious time. I remember um, pretty much every time that I've you know been looking for jobs, those, oh God, especially when it's like, when it's quite... Um, so there have been times when I had a job, but I, I wasn't happy and I wanted a new job. So I was kind of, you know, putting out feelers, maybe going to interviews, um, looking at different options, um, which was fine because I knew that I had a steady income. So even if it didn't work out, like I still had my job, you know what I mean? But in times when I didn't, when I was out of work and I desperately needed a new job or when I moved here and I didn't have a job yet, um, those were really anxious times because every time I had an interview, it was like, okay, I need, you know, this has to work because I need a job as soon as possible, you know, and those were really, really, those were some very, very anxious times. So at this stage, I'm actually... And interesting how I lower my standards. The longer <laughs> exactly. It's so true. It's like, at first you're like, okay, no, I'm not going to settle for anything that isn't my dream job, you know, and then, and then at some point you're like, well, would I really mind working for a gambling company? Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. But let's see, maybe it'll pan out. I actually got, I think, I feel like I got quite lucky. Um, I was like in the very last stages and I was just waiting for a go ahead from a company. And then last minute they went with someone else, which was very frustrating. So then it, I got quite panicked and I started, you know, applying to things all over the place. And I wound up um, in the job that I'm at now. Um, mm. So that was, did work out quite well for me, but it hasn't always been that way. And there've been times where, where my job has been like the main source of my anxiety. Yeah, I mean, look, yes, of course, looking for a job is connected with a lot of anxiety, lots of lying awake at night thinking about about it. And um, I think, I mean, I did hear from many people who uh, suffer from anxiety disorders that working can be one of the biggest challenges. How many, just think about how many, how many times have you gone to the loo to cry at work, Lois? Um, <laughs> in my current job, never, but I will admit because of the in the incredible the tiredness that comes with having an anxiety well that can come with having an anxiety disorder i have before gone to the loo and fallen asleep that has really? happened yes mm. just like in just just like nodded off because i was just so tired because everything it's for one thing my my commute to work is incredibly stressful but also because it's quite a long one i would have to get up very early and i don't sleep well 
So um, just as in general, I just don't sleep very well. So I would be very, very tired by the time I got to work and then sitting there at work all day was quite hard. And so it has happened that I was just nodding off at my desk so much that I just like sneaked mm. off to the loo to just like nod off for a bit without anyone being able to see me. Because it doesn't, people, it doesn't look good. It's a terrible look if you nod off at work. However, at my job um, in Munich, um, before I moved, I was working at an agency and advertising agencies are a, a very, very, they can be. And um, so from what I've heard from everyone I know who's worked with agencies, they are very high stress environments. And um, it was at the point before, towards the end, it got to the point where every day I would have to go to the loo. And then I, didn't, I don't really cry that much. So I didn't cry, but I would sort of- You went to hide. I would hide in the loo and I would just mm -hmm. like, I would just sort of collapse in there and just sort of have an anxiety attack for about, yeah. it would be like 10 minutes of just like, you know, erratic breathing and, you know, my heart um, pounding and just sort of really, really trying to calm myself down and not completely freak out and sort of, I don't know, throw my computer out of the window and run out screaming. I think the, I think the, the bathrooms are a very useful place for people with anxiety disorders um, in the work situation. I mean, we both worked at the same company for a while, me in Vienna and you were in Munich. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a big, um, a big company and they did everything from software to well, anything. And the problem I had there, which gave me a lot of anxiety, was I just didn't actually know what I was working. <laughs> I didn't have a clue what my job was. And so we'd go to meetings and I wasn't sure if everybody else knew what was going on and if I was the only person who didn't know what was going on or if everybody knew, didn't, if everybody there didn't know what was going on, but we're all pretending they did know that what was going on because that was part of the deal. So um, I did get pretty nervous before those meetings because um, I would have to think about things that I could say, which sounded like I knew what I was talking about. Um, yeah, and so I would sit there terrified that um, someone would um, ask me a question, and sometimes they did ask me a question. But um, yeah, I mean, meetings, I guess. I have a friend, she would tell me that she had this, one of her, so she has an anxiety disorder, and one of her biggest fears was they had this big conference room with a big, big table, and she was terrified, and this was a thought that came into her head every time before they had a meeting, that she would accidentally vomit all over the table. <laughs> And I mean, I'm lucky, like I said, because with me, anxiety doesn't manifest itself as nausea, but she has this and she was, so every time she would be terrified that she would actually vomit on the table. And then I talked about it and I said, you know, even if you did vomit on the table, you know, what would happen? You know, that, you know, no one would care, actually. They'd just be grossed out a bit and that's it. Yeah, they'd be grossed out. And she also like, you, could, anyway. you could just, it could be, in, you, you could be ill, you know, and then they, in a way they're- Sometimes pretty... I wished I would just vomit all over the table so that I didn't Exactly. Then they would send you home. <laughs> they would send me home. Um, so no, the thing is, I think I hated it. And it's not that I hated the job. It's just, I was so um, bad at it also, I think. And so unmotivated, I didn't, I, lots of things I just really stopped caring about, you know. I, I think that, that job was a tough one because, I mean, it's not that we weren't, that we weren't good enough for the job. That's not all what it was. We were perfectly, even though we didn't actually know what we were doing, because I had no idea what I was doing either. For the entire time that I was there, I didn't no, know what I, I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. But it's not that the work that we did wasn't good enough. It's just that we just, just from the type of people we are, were very unsuited for that type of job. But at the same time, yeah. 
um, it did pay very well for, for a student job because we were both students and finding a student job that pays enough in the to, few yeah. hours you're allowed to do because you're only allowed to do 20 hours per week as a student. Um, finding a job that paid that well so you could afford rent and to feed yourself and so on mm. wasn't easy. So it was one of those things where I, I was very grateful for the job. I was grateful that I had the job. Um, and it was for me, it was great because I was in Munich. I mean, I got to have lunch with our dad like every day. Mm. Um, but um, at the same time, I was quite I wasn't wasn't particularly happy because it wasn't really it was the environment just wasn't right for me. And also I, I was so scared all the time because I didn't know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know if what I was doing was good enough. Um, all of yeah. the software we were using was incredibly complicated. And I feel like all of, everything was just sort of done to be as complicated as possible. And so I wasn't, um, it wasn't ideal, but it was sort of one of the things where like the pay was so good and, you know, it was sort of, um, it was very I mean, double-sided that one was. For me, it was this feeling of, I think that the problem was I just felt like an imposter all the time. I felt, yeah. like, I felt like at some point they're going to notice, you know, that I don't actually know what I'm doing there. Every time I got an email from my, um, my next superior. Anyway, so I'd get an email and I would, you know, have a heart attack every time she sent me something. And then sometimes she would send me things which I really didn't know how to answer. So she would send me. I had filed a file wrong in the complex maze of a filing system they had and to this day i still don't understand what was wrong with how i'd filed it but anyway the point is i'd filed something wrong so she did a screenshot and then she used paint to put like a little red arrow on the screenshot <laughs> pointing at the file <laughs> and then all she wrote was why did you do this <laughs> and i thought to myself i don't know there are so many reasons why I might have done it wrong. <laughs> then I got angry, actually. I wrote an email, which I never sent, explaining <laughs> from, from the day I was born until the moment that I filed it wrong, what steps of, of fate and coincidence and unfortunate events led to me filing that file wrong. But um, yeah, I think, I think one thing that gave me did make me very anxious about that kind of work was just the the abstractness of the tasks and the in yeah, a way, yeah, they're like unnecessarily so many, complicated yeah so many steps and like so it's the same in my job right now in as much so it's like i so i'm a, um, now i'm right when i was working at uh, that the big company in, in munich at the time like i was just a, a student i was doing mostly translation stuff from uh, german into english or english into german um but um now I rewrite, uh, what's it called, uh, product copy mostly. So it's like, you know, product descriptions that need to, uh, too technical that need to be rewritten so that um, somebody who is buying them online uh, can, can navigate, um, you know, what they want to buy. And that's sort of what I do now. But it's sort of this thing of like, you get um, copy that's very, very badly written. I have to rewrite it and then I send it off and then it has to be looked at by somebody else. And then they say they don't like this. And then I have to rewrite it again. And, and it goes through like several stages and I never like, I'm never told, okay, your, your copy is now live online and you can go see it or something like that. That never happened. So I never, it's just sort of these 
tasks that are quite um, fiddly and then you fiddle about on them for weeks sometimes um, getting feedback mostly negative feedback um, because they, I mean, if they had, it's one of these things where if you do something well, they don't really bother to tell you. So they only tell you when something's wrong. Mm. And then um, you never really get sort of, um, I don't know, you don't have that immediate feedback thing that you would have like when you work in service, for instance, where like immediately you see the benefit of your work or, you know, all the damage you've done. You know what I mean? Whereas with these ones, it's sort of like, if you've done something wrong, you might not find out for weeks. That's really bad if it sneaks up on you. Yes. And that's something that to sometime if you're expecting that to come eventually. Yeah. That is really hard because that has also happened. And that did happen uh, when we were, when we were working for that big company was everything seemed to be fine. Um, I, was I never missed deadlines. Um, they did sometimes give me tasks that were insurmountable for anybody. Nobody would have been able to do these tasks. Mm. And then suddenly out of nowhere, they do an impromptu meeting out of nowhere to basically tell me every single mistake I'd made and that they didn't like my attitude <laughs> or, mm. or me. And a lot of the things that they, a lot of their problems with me were actually symptoms of anxiety. The fact that I was very tired all the time, um, that I sigh a lot, um, that I have a hard time focusing, things like that were mostly symptoms of my anxiety. And so that was quite, it was, that was a really um, tough meeting to be in where basically it seemed like for months, everything had been fine. They never had any, any problems with me. And then suddenly they had loads of problems with me. I mean, but to be fair, it was shortly before my contract was about to run out. And I think they weren't sure if they wanted to renew it or not. Mm. Um, but that was like a real shock to me. So since then it's kind of, and, and the same thing happened in the agency where, um, a mistake that I had made weeks ago would suddenly be brought up out of nowhere instead of telling me straight away, I'd made a mistake, um, or that they wanted me to do things a bit differently. They would wait for weeks on end until they had like a list of things that they didn't like about me. And that was, I find that I don't understand. Um, I'm not quite sure if that's something you learn as a manager, that that's something you're supposed to do. But um, that's something sort of I've I've learned to sort of say in, in 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 interviews now when they then when they ask me questions about like you know things that haven't worked well for me in the past in other companies or um, if there's something particularly that they should be you know looking out for with me then one thing I always say is like listen if I do something wrong please tell me immediately and don't wait until you have like a whole list of things that you don't like about me because I find that so hard to cope with. No, I think there's so many levels of why work can cause anxiety. I mean, of course, because it's usually, at least in my case and your case and most most other people, it's connected to being able to feed yourself and if you're yeah. rent. And um, so not being sure about that situation would make anyone anxious, of course. But um, I think if you have an anxiety disorder, then it can be, I mean, I did, I think I thought, hours and hours about things which it, you know were probably okay but turned out it turns out they were okay so when for example when I was working as a train manager I had done a calculation for an engine driver so you what you do is you have to do the calculations for the engine drivers and then you write a piece of paper mm-hmm. and you give it to them and then they drive the train and you're sitting in the train and there's no way of getting back to the engine drive until the train stops oh gosh that sounds like a lot of pressure so once I remember shortly before going onto this, onto um, through a very long tunnel, very long, fast, fast lane tunnel, I'd written one of these. And then I was sitting back in my compartment and suddenly it came to me. I don't know why it came into my head, but I thought, 
okay, wait, wait a minute. I must have done something wrong. And I recalculated and then I, I came to a different conclusion. Oh, no. And I thought, oh my God, you know, we, I'm going to go to prison if we crash. I have to exchange this piece of paper somehow <laughs> as soon as possible. And I was, and the, the tunnel, I think it's about, how long is it? You're on it for about two hours until you actually can go back to the engine drive. And I was seeing the train crashing and, you know, everyone dying except me and then me going to prison after having killed 300 people. <laughs> but um, turns out I was just being paranoid. And when I, when we got, when we arrived and I had calmed down and um, I went to the engine driver to check it out again, I had made the calculation right. So I think um, having an anxiety disorder can cause a lot of, lot of agony at work, especially if you, because you don't necessarily feel comfortable checking everything five times with your superiors or your colleagues. So if you send yeah, something yeah. or you give something or you've done something, and then you start questioning it a lot. And, but you don't feel comfortable, you know, phoning or writing another email saying, ah, but did I do this? Did I do that? Mm. And so um, I think this can, can cause a lot, of, a lot of anxiety or not anxiety, but make it quite difficult working together with other people if you're anxious about what you've produced and you're unsure or insecure about what you've produced. Yeah, and, you have to, it's kind of like the fine line of like, you want to ask loads and loads of questions to make sure you get everything right. And I know that I know that I'm one of those people, I'm sure I'm quite frustrating to some of my colleagues because I do ask lots of questions just to yeah, be absolutely sure. clear that I yeah. do every task completely right. But yeah. at the same time, if you, if you stop yourself from asking questions because you're scared of being annoying, that's also a problem, you know? Well, I've noticed what actually works really well, um, what I've decided, what I, I started doing, which was a sort of safe way. Um, instead of writing emails, I started calling people and then I would mm. chat about other stuff as well, but then ask the specific questions in a sneaky way while I was doing it so that I could just get my reassurance and at the same time not seem like a, um, annoying, not, not seem annoying or, or inefficient because, um, and of course, if you get hundreds of emails asking questions and then you write an email, you forget a question, you write another email, you draw, you withdraw an email. It's, you know, guys, all the email stuff and the attachments, you know, just think. Honestly, I was the same at university as well. At the university, I did exactly the same thing. I would like ask my professors billions of questions to make sure yeah. I got all of my, you know, every, all of my tasks right. Mm. Um, which I think must be, it must, I, I know that they, uh, some of them got quite frustrated with me. Um, but I also know that I'm just, I'm too, I'm so, because I'm so, I want to do things right, you know, and mm. so I, I do ask a lot of questions. I remember um, when I was, um, apropos of your train story, um, I was similar when I, just before I moved to London, I was working as a barista because, um, well, so that I had insurance and also to, you know, make ends meet and make some money before moving. And the setup was that there were two shifts a day um, and you were what, during your shift, you were basically running the entire shop by yourself. Um, and so either I would do the morning shift where I had to open the shop or I did the evening sh shift where I had to close the shop. Mm. And I was so anxious every time I did the evening shift because, um, well, for both shifts, you had to count the money in the till to make to see, you know, if it comes out even or if, you know, if there's, you know, anything wrong. And that was always cool. I was like, I would count the till like sometimes 
five times because mm. I was so worried about getting something wrong. Um, but then in the evening when I had to close stuff down, like there were all these things that I had to make sure were turned off and unplugged and whatnot, because if not, they could be a fire hazard. Mm. And I had to lock everything up. And then I had to put the key in a post box for the person in the morning to be able to come in. Mm. And um, I all I often, if if possible, I had someone there with me while I was locking everything up so that they would watch me lock stuff, turn yeah, stuff off, you. so that they could then confirm it to me afterwards, like five times mm. that I had turned, like the panini machine. I was so scared I would leave on the panini machine because if it's plugged in, it's basically heating the whole time and it was on all day. So mm. that the, if somebody wanted a, a bagel, I think it was, um, yeah, we would uh, we would like warm up focaccia and um, bagels in there. So um, if anyone ordered a bagel, whatever they wanted to warm up, we'd stuff it in the panini machine and close it and then it would warm it up. Um, and I was so... I was so anxious about that bloody panini machine every evening that I'd like, I would always, I had this thing that I would always uh, unplug it the second I was closing the shop because I wanted it to, you know, cool down enough before I left. Mm. But I also had people like watch me close down the shops. So I could then ask them afterwards, did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? And then they would confirm everything to me multiple times and I'd also ask them like did I put the key in the in the letterbox and I would also like put it in the letterbox and look in the letterbox to see if it was in there because I was just so anxious about things going wrong because it was one of those scenarios where if, if I burnt down the shop that would be a big issue and I wouldn't be able to move <laughs> if no, I burnt down an entire building in Munich that would be a big problem mm. I mean I had I had jobs like that too and we used we both used to work in a cinema and I also had to lock up there sometimes and, and God, lock the, the money safe. in a safe <laughs> Money safe. in the safe. Oh I don't know how many times I was halfway to the to the underground station, and then I walked back to check that I'd locked the safe properly. Double checking and not trusting yourself or your or what you think you've done happens all the time in that kind of job. I think the problem is when you get in the habit of things, um, it's so automatic that you don't necessarily remember yourself doing them, and you're like, well, am I remembering doing that, or am I am I remembering a different time I did that? Mm. So I had one of my systems actually with that particular safe in the cinema um was that i would like while i was locking it i would do like a really ridiculous dance mm -hmm. because i'd be like well i i wouldn't like it, of course like if i did the dance then i obviously locked it but then the dance became so ingrained in me that i couldn't trust that anymore so i would still call the manager because i didn't have a key because the key would be i had to give the key to the manager then in the evening when mm -hmm. i left so then I would often just call them again just to be on the safe side. Like I would be <laughs> at the train station and then call them and say, could you just double check that I locked the safe? I'm really scared that I didn't. And I did every time. But um, it was huge amounts of money because it, at that time it wasn't, there was, there was hardly any card, credit card or, or debit card payment. No, everything was done with cash. Like everything was done with cash. So you'd have huge amounts of cash that, yeah. Oh God, when you were counting up the, the, the tills and either someone had, you know, with the concession tills, uh, there was a problem that if somebody had mistyped something, sometimes yeah. you'd have like, uh, you know, an outstanding sum of like 400 euros and then you'd have to like go through the scrolls. With a tiny scroll of paper. A tiny scroll of paper with tiny writing on it. Millions of things written on it. To see if someone had missed, had put something wrong in there and then you'd have to like mark it with a marker and a paper clip and Maybe make a little note. I only developed my anxiety disorder because of that job. <laughs> 
say that that was that was my first job and I started well I started as a cleaner though to be at that cinema and I did start just before my shortly before my 16th birthday I started working and I worked there for like six or seven years yeah me too and it did work well uh, alongside school um but I have to say like yeah, I have to say, <laughs> lots of anxiety. Um, I think dealing with the money was job. the worst part. What? Dealing with the huge amounts of money. Yeah, like because sometimes I do the sums, then there'd be like an there'd be a thousand euros missing, or like mm. r- ridiculous amounts of money missing. And then I had to recount it and recount it, and then I'd get my manager, in, and then we'd recount it again together. And then we always found it. Like in general, I was very good at. I was pretty good at the till. Um, I think you can if you are if you are an anxious person, then you are. You can be good at that kind of job because you're very precise and very repetitive in your work. So I think I, mean, I was good at it, but it was um, it was sometimes quite exhausting being so sometimes insecure about what I had done and whether it was right, and then just checking and double checking, and your brain just eventually, you know, it's, it is a bit of an overload. But we no. were really, I mean, to be fair to us, like we were very good at the job, and I like I, I noticed actually. <laughs> Just before I left, I um, I was, you know, I was training people often and I realized they, they just didn't give a shit, you know? Yeah, which is really nice, actually. I know. And then I realized, like, towards the end, like, these people that I work with who are, like, so sloppy in their work and they really don't, they just don't care. And then I realized to myself, oh, I thought to myself, why do you care, Lois? It's a 450 euro job. You're mm. being underpaid and overworked. They're not even paying you on your break. And, and so anxious about everything and getting everything perfect, even though at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. You this know? is something that I discovered later on, is that when you've found a new job and you've quit your old job, that is the rare moment that I come into that lovely feeling of just really not caring about what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> yeah that's and true i mean, I'd do the bare minimum then i did there were jobs that I'd, i had already quit i'd i was working in a hotel as a night porter for a while <laughs> and which sounded really exciting but at the end it was just really boring you just got woken up at night by people with really stupid questions <laughs> and um i hated them i once woke this guy woke me up at 3 a.m because and he they were three boys and they they were three boys and they two of them had a key and the only one without a key decided to come home from a party to the hotel at three o'clock to wake me up, to ask me if I can open the door for him so he can change his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I said no. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd never seen him before. I didn't even know if he was, I mean, this was what my, the excuse I used. I said, okay, so I thought I had to punish him for being such a, <laughs> for being so stupid and not taking one of the three, one of the two keys that he had. But I mean, I had actually never seen him. He could have been anyone. He could have been just wanting to go into a room. So, but it turns out he was living there. But he did go back to the party, get a key, and go in by himself. But it was things like this. It's anyway, working I quit in there because I already had a new job, and at the yeah. end, really nice because I just came to work, did the bare minimum. Then I chose a really nice room, <laughs> went to the room, had a bath, slept, <laughs> got up again. You know. And if people phoned to get in, I would wait until the phone rang three times because then I thought, okay, it must be desperate. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, funny. I think that working in service on the one hand, it was, I did, I have to say that, so when I when I had been working in offices for quite, I'd been working in offices for a bit. Um, so, because I had the job when, as a student, um, we were both working at that big company. Then I moved to a, um, 
an agency for a bit, which was horrific. And then when I wound up being a barista for a bit just before moving to London, it was quite, even though, yeah, it was quite high stress because I had to run the whole shop by myself. Um, and there was also like the, the boss, like, so, so not my, my direct manager, but like the, the person who was sort of in charge of the shop. Um, they came up with all these really silly little tasks that you had to do alongside everything else. So I would be in charge of the second bake of the day. I had to serve all the customers when the frozen goods arrived, I had to make sure they got in the freezer straight away. Otherwise there was a you know possibility of giving everyone salmonellas. Um, and on top of that, there were these things like, you know, dust the light shades, you know, and all these stupid Every second tasks. Tuesday. Yes. No, no. Every Tuesday. Every it Tuesday. was like, you have to clean the top of this and you have to dust the light shades. And the worst one was when they wanted you to empty the entire freezer and clean it out. And I'm like, well, how is that going to work Fuck. when I have, um, you know, customers nonstop and I'm supposed to go into the back and spend an hour defrosting the freezer and then cleaning it out. And what am I going to do with all the frozen goods in that time? Like it's a terrible, mm. terrible plan. You need at least one second person there. And they, just completely refused to have two people working at the same time because they didn't want to pay the extra shift. So it was quite stressful, but at the same time, it was quite a relief to be back in service because I am good at it and mm. I am good at, I am very good at working with cu customers, even, you know, the extremely frustrating ones because I did have regulars who'd come every day and every day they did the same shit. Every single day they put me through the same, <laughs> the same annoying things. There was this one man. That make you anxious? Uh, no, it would make, okay, it would make me anxious that I knew they were going to come. I knew they were coming, you know what I mean? Mm. Like I had some regulars who were just wonderful, wonderful people. They were so sweet and really, really kind. And um, they kind of, you know, by the time I was only working there for like a month and a half or something like that. And they just like, you know, came in specially to say goodbye to me before I moved and everything. It was really sweet. But I also mm. had some regulars. It was this one man, he had, it was just a nightmare. He insisted on having particularly pale croissants, which meant that in the morning, every morning, I had to make sure I made two croissants that were not crispy. Crispy. So mm. I had to take them out earlier than all the other croissants. Mm. <laughs> or I had to put them in later than all the other croissants. And I had to save them in a special place for him. And he always had to, he always had an Earl Grey that had to be extra hot. So I had to make sure, I had to like make the, the boiling water extra boiling. And he wanted to be the one to pour the water on or something like that. So I had to like prepare it in a little extra jug for him and have the croissants ready. And sometimes you complain about this, the color of the croissants. Um, he would, whether I had the door open or the door closed, he would complain because if the door was open, he would complain that it was too, there was a draft. If the door was closed, he, was, he would complain it was too hot. Mm. Um, there was literally nothing I could do to make this man happy. Every day he complained to me about something else. Mm. And, but, you know, obviously, you know, as working custom service, it's your job to remain calm and patient. And I did, but inside it was <laughs> incredibly, incredibly frustrated with this, with this person. That can be quite tough. Um, I think, especially if people and eventually, I mean, the customer, I think customer service can be quite stressful for people with anxiety. If you have to, keep a happy face <laughs> mm. happy face on and actually inside you um, you're crumbling 
Yes. And, but at um, the same time, it's also quite nice to see like when you when you when you have a very stressful day and it's like it's very, very full and you manage to you get everything sorted and mm. you get through it and everyone's pretty much happy with your work and you get that immediate feedback that everything went well. That is yeah. quite gratifying as well. Yeah, that was true. That was quite nice. It was quite a nice change from the agency because that agency was definitely the worst time in my definitely the worst time in my in my life at a a job Mm. because it was um it was very hard because there was this constant feeling that at any second you could be fired and Mm. they like on purpose that they did that on purpose like they wanted you to feel that way Mm. they it was like their thing of like oh we're, we're being extra strict and um but so it was this weird mixture of like, oh, we're really laid back and we're really cool and we all love each other and we're the best company in the world. But at the same time, one minor slip up and um, you get a, a, an official warning straight away. If you get two warnings, I think you can get up to three warnings before you're fired. Um, and people would start working and they would be there for like two weeks before they would just suddenly disappear. And then I would ask like, oh, well, where did, where did that person go? And then they'd say, oh yeah, uh, we fired them. And that was very hard for me to cope with because it was my first, it was, yeah, I'd started out as a student and then I started, then I, they took me on full time um, when I finished my last semester. And um, I spent the, but they forced me to be on probation for um, a whole year in the end because I spent six months as a student and then my contract changed to be a full time and then they made me do another six months probation. Mm-hmm. So the whole time they were able to fire me from one day to the next without like uh, with only two weeks notice. Um, instead of um, I think I think otherwise it would be three months notice. Yeah, otherwise it would be three months notice and basically they could get rid of me at any time and I was so nervous all the time every day um and every i think every two weeks i had a bi-weekly meeting with my manager and these meetings oh my god like it was terrifying every time um mm. because it was i just remember like we'd go into the into the meeting room and we'd sit down and then she'd stare at me with this weird grin on her face and it would be utter silence. And we would just stare at each other, grinning mm-hmm. manically, waiting for the other one to say something. And I was always worried. I was always wondering what she was going to say. You know, like, you know, it was supposed to be just, oh, this is just a catch up to see how you are doing, Lois. But it never really was that. It was always like, I don't know. It was always, there was always something, you know. Mm. And I just remember those first, like, I dreaded this meeting every time we had this meeting. And then every time we sat in there and, and, and she was this, this, I was so scared of this person. She was mm. absolutely terrifying because I never, I, I don't know. I just, we never really uh, connected very well. And um, these meetings were just, yeah, they were, they were tough. They were very tough. And yes, having a, a difficult superior can be, um, can be difficult i had one he was terrible he was trying to fire everybody all the time it's just you know you knew that i mean he tried to fire me twice i think but we luckily had a very strong union so it just never worked but he was completely insane but i also had a boss so i think this was a this was a weird job okay so when i first moved to vienna i didn't have a lot of money so i was just basically I took any job i could possibly take 
I was a coffin carrier for one day, but that was too much stress for me. What? Was... <laughs> what? I was terrified. You were a that... coffin carrier? Yeah, I carried one coffin. Did you carry a coffin? One coffin. But Whoa, I, felt, I, I felt... didn't know that was a job. Yeah, it's a job. I carried the coffin, one coffin, one day, but I was so terrified of dropping the coffin or laughing or parting. <laughs> I don't know anything which would be really undignified in a funeral situation. <laughs> Funerals make me very stressed. It's so true. stressed. Anyway, I only did that one day and I decided it was too much. But then I started working in, um, in a club in Vienna. In, it had, so inside the club, there was like a, a Viennese sausage bar. <laughs> and but the boss of, the, of this club, he was, well, he would sometimes at five o'clock in the morning, he would walk through the bar and fire all people working there. <laughs> Wait, what? He would just fire you. <laughs> Seriously, he got grumpy and he would just walked through the bar and he would just fire everybody. <clears throat> Did he rehire you? No, yeah, because well, no one took it seriously. Oh, <laughs> I mean, some went home, some stayed. You know, after the first time, I stayed the first time because my colleagues said, ah, "Don't worry about it." You know, he's, he's just you know, he's just doing that. Um, so that was kind of amusing in a way, um, but that was a great job actually as well because it was, um, you know, it really didn't matter how terribly I fucked up because no one noticed. <laughs> And um, yeah, and because, you know, it was a club and you worked until like 7am and everyone was completely drunk. And um, so basically you could do whatever you wanted. I mean, there was, of course, a lot of sausage related sexual harassment. Oh, God. <laughs> Not sexual harassment. What do you call it? Um, does it? No, it is sexual harassment if someone, you know. Wait, did, did somebody sexually harass you with a sausage, Hector? No, no, they would just like say, they would say, they would say. Oh, you mean sexual about- innuendo? Sexual innuendo, but doesn't that count as sexual harassment? <clears throat> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. I, I don't. Sausage-related sexual jokes are just too prob- obvious. <laughs> they are a bit obvious. It's a bit on the nose, isn't it? I think that yeah. probably does. Cl- I think in the workspace that definitely would classify as sexual harassment. Yeah, but it wasn't my colleagues; it was my customers. But then it is also. Oh my god, that's also sexual harassment, just because yeah. it's a customer. Because like that whole, you know, oh, yeah, customers that's... king thing. Like that doesn't yeah. give them the right to sexually harass you for sure. No, probably not. Anyway, but that was, um, it was, but it was interesting, you know, I, I saw stuff, I saw things and, you know, I think it belongs to probably, it's probably good to have it in your biography, having worked in a Viennese sausage stand. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember. I should put um, that on my CV. I don't have it. You don't put that on your CV. It's not on my LinkedIn. I'll put it in my LinkedIn tomorrow. Definitely put it in your LinkedIn. Yeah. I want to know that. Um, I think. Another a very quite stressful time um, for me was also when I I left the cinema job to work as a tour guide. And I worked there for, I think, for about two years. I worked as a tour guide in Munich. And that was quite a hard time. For one thing, because um, guiding sometimes up to like 60 people around the, the, um, the area, everything was quite, uh, it, was, it was quite stressful. And like, especially if you got backed up so they would be if there was like tours going in about with seven minutes or five minutes between when one starts and the next one begins um sometimes you know if somebody was taking their sweet time you would end up completely backed up and you had to like find ways of of entertaining your guests without them getting tetchy and that was sometimes so hard to do especially if it was raining or if it was freezing or if it was like really 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 hot so that was that was quite stressful and also like um dealing with with the groups like sometimes you'd have really great groups who were like all in a good mood and it was fine sometimes I would be given um especially during Oktoberfest they would give me 
uh, whole groups of like um, completely drunk people. And that was very, very hard. Um, because then again, like sexual harassment was something that was quite, it, it was, um, especially in those, those large groups of, um, there would be like men who had either, who were going to go to the, to the Oktoberfest, but were already drunk. And it was often like um, work groups. And Why would want to go and look at I have no idea. They were usually from Austria, <laughs> actually. They were from Austria visiting, and they would, for some reason, go and um, do a tour. And for some reason, and one time, I'll never forget this. I don't know what the person who was arranging the tours thought was thinking, but he decided to merge two groups. One group was an 11 year old girl's birthday party with a group of men who were all drunk. Mm hmm. And, and you had to you had to lead this group. I had to lead this group, and it was the worst tour I ever did. And the two men from the drunk group were harassing me through the entire tour. Mm. And the little girls in the group were getting very uncomfortable with this. Um, Could you and just I didn't, cancel it? I should have just. I really, really should have just because um, they weren't. If they had been harassing the little girls, I would of course immediately. Um, stopped the tour and chucked them out mm. um they were harassing me and so i kind of felt like okay i was quite new at the time and i felt like i just had to somehow i don't know i had to sort of get this under control and kind of prove myself in a way that i can handle this and that i'm not like because mm. i was i don't know i was so often categorized in in that workplace as like oh you know i'm too dainty you know and like i can't handle things and i didn't like that very much so i kind of wanted to get through it without having to chuck them out um and they were they they they, they harassed me for a bit and then there was the little girls though they kind of like formed a barrier between me and them mm. to as like a protection barrier and then the little girls were like shouting at them it was a bit it was chaos <laughs> But then they kind of did pipe down a bit mm. towards the end because like they were, you know, also some of the women who were in the group with the drunk ones were telling them to leave me alone. Mm. And so then, and then one of my, one of the tour guides, one of the other tour guides was kind of shadowing the tour and watching. And then they complained to him that I was a buzzkill for not like for, for being, for shutting their advances down, mm. you know? And at the end of the tour, I remember like I had my my regular thing, like, you know, my regular thing that I would always say, which was like, oh, you know, I had a really good time with you guys. I hope you had a good time too. <laughs> and so I said that and then everyone just laughed because they knew that I'd had the most miserable time. Mm. But then the bus driver who would take, who'd brought these drunk idiots to the thing gave me a 20 euro tip. And then I got quite a lot of tips for that tour because everyone felt bad for me because it had been so stressful. But then afterwards, when I talked to my man, uh, to one of the managers, they did say like, listen, it's perfectly okay to just stop a tour like that and to get them chucked out. Like you didn't have to finish it. It's absolutely okay. If you feel unsafe, you know, you should stop that. And that was kind of a thing that up to a point, every time I had to go on a tour with a group of drunk people, I did feel slightly unsafe because I just didn't, it, I was all by myself, you know, and it wasn't like there was a, an extensive amount of CCTV and also there's like a giant forest nearby. Mm. Um, it wasn't the safest, it really wasn't the safest environment, to be honest. Like they were keeping track to know when you were going to be back. Like the there was a person who was sort of knew when you set off and they were expecting you back at a certain time. But if you did the last tour of the day, 
they wouldn't be there when you got back. So it was kind of a, a thing where you, you know, I was, I did feel quite unsafe and, but the customers were actually at the end of the day, the least of my problem because it was quite sexual harassment between colleagues was like perfectly normal and there wasn't really a proper HR. Mm. So it was this thing where they would, they kind of said from the very get go, it was kind of like, well, this is our humor. And if you can't deal with it, then like, don't work here. Mm. And um, I really, it was, it was well paid. And I did really, um, I really wanted to quit working at the cinema. So I, I took the job, but it was, it was quite stressful, especially like the sexual harassment between colleagues was difficult because when I did, I did, you know, speak up about it and that just made, then I got like threats of, you know, being to, that I'd be bullied and stuff like that. And so that was a very, very stressful time, which is also why I was so grateful to then leave and then start working um, in that in an office and that's when we were both working in that big company then that was like one of the reasons why I was quite grateful for that job was because I was so tired of working in that kind of environment where you don't have a proper HR where you can go and say listen I'm being sexually harassed by my colleagues and by customers can you please do something about it you know yeah no, that is a problem in smaller companies that you don't have either union or human resources which um which can deal with that kind of those kind of problems yeah, I think it's so, I think it was really important. Like we had like a, an official HR as it were, but it was just one person. And it was kind of, if you went and I heard from people that if they did go and complain that nothing happened, that mm -hmm. basically the people who were complained about were tipped off. Yeah. And so that was, that was, it was a really, it was quite a toxic environment, to be honest. I wasn't. Um, Probably like um, sexual harassment at work is a, especially for women is a big problem in all companies and I, I've seen it I've seen it happen as also well, almost everywhere I worked actually yeah I've I'm the bigger companies with me I it's not I mean I remember <laughs> first day <laughs> at the big company where we were now we working as <laughs> students and I thought okay great this is going to be great I don't have to worry about this kind of thing anymore it's fine and like on the first day this I was having trouble with my computer and I, um, we got someone who was like quite IT savvy to help me and like first thing that happens is he asks me out and I was kind of like, no, I've been here one day. No, I don't want that, you know? And um, I, you know, said, um, no, I'm not gonna have lunch with my dad. Um, and he did leave me alone after that, but it was kind of like, it wasn't the best start, but it wouldn't, I don't know, it was kind of, it was just, it was very, very awkward. Cause it was like an instant sort of coming onto me. I've been there for like five minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. But I didn't really, I didn't, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I, I didn't really have that issue so much. Oh no, I don't know, it's bollocks actually. I did have exactly the same problem at the agency where I had actually a very strange colleague who kept like, we lived close to each other and he kept like sort of saying that he could see my window from where he lived, which wasn't true. Otherwise I would have been very, very worried. But he kept like saying things like that. And he did like later on sort of like when he wasn't working there anymore, slid into my dms and kind of asked me in a weird roundabout way if we wanted to hook up and it was kind of like that's creepy but like he obviously it was like very clear he wanted to do like in a nutshell wanted to tie me up and spank me and it was <laughs> so uncomfortable especially like when i thought about all of the things he'd said to me while we were working together which um i kind of brushed off so many times as like oh, i was just being an idiot Mm. but then I realized oh dear no he wasn't he also asked my another one of the students uh, out actually 
Mm. Um, so he was, he was like, he did like sort of, he obviously, I don't know. It was, it was a bit of a weird thing there. He was, he was definitely that again was, and he had this thing of like, because he was quite short and he had this whole thing about like, oh, that he would, he could like, that he, I don't know, his whole thing about tall girls and that what things he did to tall girls and like, you know, tall girls think they're better than him, but you know, he could, he, you know, I don't know all this stuff that he would do to them. And it was really, really scary in retrospect when I realized like, I, it was, it's so, I think so quickly you kind of brush things off as, oh, somebody's just joking. But at the same time, those are very inappropriate jokes to do at work, you know? No, I think it is a problem that frequently these things aren't reported because you feel like it would make things more difficult. I mean, I hear this all the time that people, people tell me that they have these kind of experiences, but they, they don't want to say anything because they don't want to cause trouble. And I think that shouldn't really be how it is. It should be that it shouldn't be okay in a work context to say anything in that direction no we also had a really shit hr at the agency again it was like one person and like i never even this person never like there were so many times when it would have been appropriate for this person to like sit down and talk to me because of things that had happened in the company and they never did so it was just like even when i left the company there was never a sit down with hr um and in the bigger companies i definitely feel like i would have it would have been fine to go to hr especially in the one that i'm at now like if anything ever happened like no one's in any way behaved in like and mm. also you, we we have a whole training like at the very beginning of like how not to sexually harass your your you know colleagues which i think is really important and yeah. um so everyone knows how to behave which i mean you, again it should be common sense but like obviously it isn't but um so you have a training at the very beginning where you have to that you have to complete that does that you know tells you what's appropriate what's not inappropriate what's inappropriate and all that stuff and um if there was an issue the HR department is massive and you have like, there's usually somebody who's sort of like assigned to you as well. And you can, I would have, there would have been no problem with me going to HR in the company that I'm in now, which is nice. But I do know in the other ones where I was at, where there was either no HR or a tiny HR that wasn't very useful. Um, I didn't feel at all like I could do anything and a big problem I, I think one of the biggest problems for me at work was when I did speak up against somebody who was sexually harassing me that immediately they would get very aggressive and um, threaten me with sort of um, they basically threatened to bully me out of the company usually and that mm -hmm. was you know obviously it kind of makes you then think twice it shouldn't it should make you more resolved in speaking up but it kind of does make you think twice about speaking up again which you know it, it sucks but that's that is yeah, definitely also the embarrassment is the reason people don't like talking yeah about it. it's kind of embarrassing which that, is why it's all the more important that you have or that it's good that in some companies like you have you have like a course at the very beginning which deals with the subject yeah and i think every everything should have that whether you're working in a cafe or as yeah. a tour guide or wherever you're working like obviously it's not common sense so you should kind of, I think that's something you should, you know, should tell people about. And it's kind of, it's difficult again, because like there is, there are just work environments where you are, I think like when I was working in a pub as well, like it was, we, I never had an issue with like sexual harassment or anything there. It was absolutely fine. Um, but like there are certain work areas where you're sort of very close and you have you there's this like very close camaraderie and then i think often i think some colleagues have a hard time sort of drawing the line between where what's appropriate what's inappropriate 
Mm. When you kind of spend so much time together and you're in very stressful situations together and you drink a lot together, I think that's kind of when people might um, have a hard time, Mm. you know? And like, it's, it's also, again, like, I mean, I met I mean, my coming partner. down to that again, though, I mean, sexual harassment shouldn't be okay in friendships either. No, of course not. No, but it's again, not like, like, just because it's work, it's okay. It's no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. In, like, in, in, a, in a personal way. So I think now we've sort of trailed off from anxiety at work to sexual, sexual harassment, harassment at work. But sexual harassment can, of course, be very, can cause a lot of anxiety in work situations for, like we said before, there are so many different causes of anxiety in connection with work whether it's the financial aspect the human contact aspect the being outside aspect um, i think there are many parts which are disclaimer they are not mental health professionals any advice or information given in this podcast is based on their personal experiences and is meant to raise awareness and help end the stigma of mental illness Thank you for listening, and this message was brought to you by Jig, the disclaimer dude. I think one of the things that made me most anxious, or makes me most anxious, especially um, in office situations, is leaving at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're sitting there, and I'm kind of like, I don't want to be the first to go, <laughs> but I know that, like, I'm allowed to go after five because then I've done my dues, you know, and I'm kind of like, I know often I'm already done with my tasks. So when I have tasks, I'm usually quite efficient with them. I'm quite, I get them done quite quickly because I do sort of settle down and I concentrate on them for, you know, a set period of time that I'm done with them. And then if I have nothing else to do, and especially towards the end of the day when I'm done with everything, I, I want to leave obviously, because I also want to, I don't want to, the rush hour on the way. Have that thing of just, looking at the clock and just yeah. getting more and more nervous because you just yeah. want and I because I want one to other person to leave before me because I don't always want to be the first person to leave and like what are they all doing mm-hmm. they're all still like Wait, tapping but, away what if someone you don't want to leave with who has the same train trip as you oh, oh god oh, isn't no. even I've had that too I just wait until they wait, wait so I have to find the right moment to leave so I don't have to talk to this person in the train <laughs> on the way home because if I Either if I leave, if I leave, and then they decide to leave just after me, then I'll meet them. So either I wait until they leave, and then I wait ten minutes because then there'll be one tube ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, sounds really um, antisocial. Antisocial. <laughs> but again, it's like with sometimes colleagues, I just it's like can't you talk don't... to people anymore. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, because I'm just so exhausted emotionally that I just, I, I really sometimes I would be so emotionally exhausted after working all day that I just couldn't face talking more about work on my way home in the train. Yeah, you're also probably doing them a favor because they don't necessarily want to talk to you. No, they always want to talk to me. Oh, no. (laughs) Still, it was kind of like, I didn't always want to be the first to leave. So I kind of sit there like anxiously waiting, waiting, waiting for someone else to go so I can also be like, okay, bye. And I leave as well. Speaking of which, (laughs) seven minutes to five Vienna time. (laughs) Yes. Okay, I think we've we've probably covered quite a lot here lots to Not unravel really there anything I, I, the whole time i was just thinking i could just carry on walk, talking for hours and hours about horrible work experiences or funny work experiences or we have so many yeah because like both of us have jobs. been working since yeah. we were about 15, 15. right <laughs> yeah so you've been working for 15, 15 years i've been working for 12 working, years next Non-stop. year next yeah. year i'll be working i've been working longer than i haven't been working yeah when i'm exactly. 31 yeah, so, I mean, for me, it's it's 12 years now I've been working and I've always had a job. Like there's never been a time when I didn't, like even when I was at work for like, I think 
mm. maybe a couple of weeks. Then I was a barista. Then I came here, was out of work for a couple of weeks and became a waitress. Like I've yeah, definitely. just been working so much. Anyway, so after we had our, our vote last week between work and uh, physical symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder and panic, um, we just, as, as it was so close, it was 50-50, we decided next week we'll be talking about physical symptoms of anxiety and panic. If you haven't already, give us a follow on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and any other podcast platforms that might be streaming us thank you so much for listening we hope you tune in again next week and if you know anyone who's suffering from an anxiety disorder or would like to know more about it please recommend us to them